MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VEASAN Daily Morning Bets. Here is your host, Josh Applebaum. Welcome in, everybody. We are getting you started on your Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Ben Wilson back with you talking some college basketball here, biggest games of the day, and a really fun card as we will really be focusing on the College hoops, it was a big NHL day yesterday on President's Day, but NHL, lighter card, NBA still off as part of the All-Star break, and we have some really good games here to do a deep dive on. Three games I want to talk about. We've got the two major marquee matchups we have to discuss as well, and then I'll, I'll throw in a little special, a little mid-major action for you to round out the podcast episode today. Uh, so much college basketball content right now. Here is a inside a month until Selection Sunday. Daily write-ups from our guy Adam Burke over on the website, vsin.com. Daily pods as well from Greg Peterson if you want the full card breakdown each and every day. But we're here to break down market movement and our thoughts here on the biggest games of the card. So without further ado, we have two top 25 matchups here to kick things off. Top-ranked UConn brings in the longest active winning streak in the country, 14 games, a perfect 13-0 in 2024. On the road, going to Creighton. In Omaha, 15th-ranked Blue Jays come in 19-7, and 10-5 in Big East play. UConn 14-1 in the conference, 24-2 overall. UConn opening two-and-a-half-point favorites, which has been bet up now to three market-wide. Uh, some early money to the over, and then a little bit of buyback here overnight, which we'll talk about, and that's where I'm going to focus my play on. It opened 144.5, got bet as high as 145.5. There's a couple of those numbers still out there, but the market is pretty clearly creeping back down to 145 makes me think maybe kind of a setup here at least for those who play the totals pretty much every day in college basketball maybe boosting this thing up early and then looking to come under or at the very least just some two-way action here because in game one between UConn and Creighton back in stores it was a 62 to 48 game I mean it was just miserable on offense both sides of the ball UConn wins a game by 14 in which they shoot 36% from the field. But that was because Creighton, who takes 
a ton of threes, more than about anybody in the country. They're top 10 in three-point ratio. The issue that the Blue Jays have had at times this year is when those threes are not falling, well, they don't really have a plan B. And Creighton went just 6 of 26 from downtown in the first meeting. Uh, they really have to get the seven-foot stud Ryan Kalkbrenner going in the middle. He had he was pretty much perfect when he touched the ball in that first game, but only had 11 points, just minimal touches for him in that spot, 11.7 boards and five blocks. So you have a, a Creighton team now in that you know, that's intra-conference rematch angle, which we'll talk about a lot here on the show today, and that's a big talking point now as we go down the home stretch of conference play. So as much as you would think, all right, Creighton has to shoot better than that, well, at the same time, it's really a, a tough matchup for them, and I can see why they had success. They, they struggled to have success not only in game one, but could very easily struggle to have success on offense in game two. That's because UConn, it, opponents don't really take a whole lot of threes against them, and it's, it's partially because of the length they have. They do a great job closing out on the perimeter, and the 6'5 senior Tristan Newton, along with 6'6 Stefan Castle, have been great at that. They, as a result, do a great job not only limiting the threes that you take, but they also force really, really tough twos. They're a seventh in the country in two-point defense. They're fourth in overall defense, and they're 33rd in fewest three-pointers allowed. So when I look at Creighton, as, as much as they have a guy like Kalkbrenner who can be a difference maker, it's just been really inconsistent. And when you add on UConn being such a slow-tempo team, they love to grind you out. They are super efficient on offense, but they're fine to let the whole clock on, on offense expire here with the shot clock before getting off a good look. That's why I'd be definitely looking to the under here. I don't necessarily want to lay you know, now a three, a full possession on the road for a team that is at its absolute market peak, having won the 14 straight games against an upset hungry Creighton. But you have to think, regardless of how this goes sidewise, UConn will be slowing the game down. Creighton understands they have to do a better job of interior defense, which you know, Creighton has really been good at that this year. Kalkbrenner is a big reason why. There's a lot of height on the interior for Creighton. They're third in two-point defense this season. And you know, the defense has really started to click here recently over a three-game winning streak. They just went to Hinkle Fieldhouse last Saturday and uh, were great in a 79-57 win at Butler, uh, shutting down uh, that offense in the last game. Combined with a tempo that's outside the top 200 in Creighton, I'm not really understanding why the early money here was to the over. So give me under 145.5 in UConn and Creighton to start things off. All right, game number two, and some of our loyal daily listeners were already uh, hitting us up about this game. Of course, we are going to mention Baylor and BYU, another top 25 matchup. Again, a, a potential angle here on the conference rematch side of it because BYU went to Baylor got steamed against in the market. It seemed like everybody in the world was on Baylor in that game. And the Bears ended up winning by nine points at home earlier in the conference slate. But man, oh man, if the tables turn now and the scheduling spot here, the reverse a fixture, so to speak, to borrow a little European soccer term in the conference revenge angle are overwhelming to the point where BYU opened a one-point favorite. And when I started putting together my notes here, the line had already moved up to three, three and a half, you know, in the overnight hours. And I'm thinking, man, that's pretty aggressive. And even as I sit here recording, sun about to come up on the East Coast, you know, and it's up to, up now, uh, just updating my screen here, uh, as high as four and even a couple shops here, dangerously close to four and a half, kind of leaning that way right now. It looks like four is our, 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 our consensus number at the moment here. And it's just not a number I want to go out and lay now that we've moved a full three points here. And I, I agree with the move. Now, if you want to throw Baylor, uh, throw BYU, I should say, if you find like a cheap money line, 
you know, maybe a two-teamer with a bigger favorite you like on the card. I never go more than two teams on those parlays, but the, if that's what you want to do, I understand. Now, BYU's been a completely different team in league play, home versus road, 4-2 and two at home, 2-4 and four on the road, and it's largely because they shoot a ton of threes. And as we come to know, it's really hard for threes necessarily in conference play, especially a conference like the Big 12 with so many rugged, rough-and-tumble defenses. It's really hard for those threes to travel, right? And BYU has seen those numbers slip now that they've faced really good competition. They're still taking a ton of them, but they're now just barely inside the top 100 in three-point percentage, whereas when I called one of their games uh, back in November when BYU smoked NC State, they were top 10 in the country. So that tells you how things have slipped. But there is one big edge they have in this game hosting Baylor, and it's not just that Baylor struggles defending threes and just has been a bad defensive team in general for Scott Drew outside the top 75 in defense. But it's that BYU is very quietly, as good as they've been shooting on offense, the three-pointers, at least early in the year, all season they've been a great defensive three-point team. And it comes from their guards, kind of like we just talked about with UConn, able to close out on the perimeter. The 6'5 senior Spencer Johnson, I love the way he's able to close out without fouling as well. A really good guard who defends without fouling, whether that's threes or down on the inside. And this is where it comes down to the matchup of Baylor being the number one three-point shooting team in the country. It's kind of similar elements at play here where Baylor's three-point shooting has been great at home in Waco has sometimes left a little bit to be desired. And now you're telling me first ever conference trip to Provo on a midweek game for Baylor. They've played so many crazy, you know, up and down, down to the wire games in Big 12 play. Not that I expect this to be a total flat spot here. And it seems like the way the betters are taking this, they think they know the final score and it's BYU by 10 plus. But I completely understand that sentiment. And it would only be BYU for me here. I'm not going to give it out as an official play. It's moved a lot already. I would not, uh, would not, uh, discourage anybody who wanted to throw that maybe part of a two-team money line player maybe just a single bet on the money line if you could find uh, something you know, a little bit reasonable here before uh, that number starts to move as of last check uh, on the money line and that is one that has started to as you would expect with the side moving up it started to drift that was minus 150 on the opener I'm seeing out as high as minus 180 uh, so certainly even on that perspective it's uh, hard to warrant justification there for just a single bet on that money line, but certainly expect BYU to get the win. Let's get a little bonus play in for you. And I know Josh likes to give out some down the, uh, down the card plays. And what I love about this time of year, you know, for me, I'm doing a lot of play by play as well. In addition to my VEASAN work. So I get to see a lot of these teams, whether it's the early conference tournaments or, you know, spot games throughout the year. And I've seen teams this year from the ACC, the PAC 12, Missouri Valley, and even the Mac. That's right. Let's talk some action here because it's a battle of the top two teams in that conference. Two teams who very easily could be dancing. Akron right now is the favorite in that league to go dancing. 19 and 6, 11 and 1 in league play. And they're on the road against Toledo. 16 and 9 overall, 10 and 2 in Maction. I had Toledo earlier this year and you know they they were in a in a slump at the time. You know Baylor has this amazing guard Ray J Dennis who transferred in from Toledo after last year. And the Rockets needed some time, kind of figuring out, all right, you had the MAC player of the year in Ray J. Dennis having one regular season title last year. Uh, how do you replace that? And it took Toledo a little bit of time. They've had really bad defensive numbers this season. That's why some of their advanced metrics are not so kind. But that's a Toledo team that is really finding its life on offense. And behind Raheem Moss, a really talented junior, Javen Simmons, a big-bodied physical presence who I was really impressed in when I saw the Rockets in person. Toledo started to turn the corner. And if you look at Todd Kowalczyk, who's 
been the head coach there over a decade. If there's one thing consistent about him, it's that no matter the roster he's got, really Toledo a different team second half of the year versus first half. They, they tend to show a ton of improvement, which really speaks to his quality of coaching. Well, you're taking on Akron here tonight, and it's Toledo minus two. Not a ton of movement across the board, although a couple shops I'm seeing indicate some just some small respected money here in on the Rockets. This is out to two and a half in a couple places, but it's pretty split. You can find twos pretty much everywhere. Total between 150 and 150 and a half. And not a whole a lot of movement there. So for Toledo, it's a great revenge angle here. And I do like the spot. Lost a, in a seven-point game at Akron in game one. But Toledo proved, and this is you know a total matchup of conversing, uh, contrasting styles. Akron wants to go slow. Not a very good offensive team, but they're outside the top 300 in tempo. Top 75 on defense. They defend threes really well. Best by far in the conference, and that's where they've had a lot of success. Toledo, on the other hand, wants to run. They go run and gun. They can put up points with the best of them, but struggle giving up wide open looks and breakdowns on the defensive end. Part of what I was just talking about with a young team and a group in general trying to replace just a generational talent they had in that program last year in Ray J. Dennis. Well, Toledo kind of won that battle of the tempos in game one, just couldn't get enough stops down the stretch. You know, Ali Ali for Akron, 26 points in that game on 7 of 11, shooting 9 of 11 from the free throw line. He had his way, but I expect adjustments to be, to be made by Toledo now in game two. And especially because the way the first matchup played out on Akron's home court, and Toledo still kind of controlled the pace, pushed it up, up and down, and came up short despite that. I expect with Toledo having the home game, they'll be able to control pace here, dictate things. And I do like the bounce back spot for a Rocket team that's gotten a lot better as the calendar's turned to 2024. If Toledo wins too, you'll you'll have them and Akron, the Zips, co-leaders as part of the MAC regular season standings. Great game, under the radar game as part of a loaded Tuesday card. That's a play I do like. Toledo minus two. That does it for me today. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Really big week here in college basketball. A lot of bubble teams trying to make some statement-defining wins. A lot of good revenge spots and rivalry games to come. We'll break it down for you as well tomorrow as we wish you best of luck on all of your Tuesday plays right here on VEASAN Morning Daily Bets. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. 
I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.